you have your Bibles, take them and turn to the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, chapter 1, or you can look on the back of your sermon outline in the bulletin. If you didn't get a bulletin, put up your hand and someone will give you one or share theirs with you. And um, you can follow along, see the sermon outline. Romans chapter 1, verses 8 through 15. The Apostle Paul writes, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I want you to know, brothers, that I've often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some spiritual harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So far the reading of God's Word. There are a few texts in the Bible that capture the heart of a pastor, like this paragraph does. And I have to tell you, I have had the privilege of mentoring a lot of young men who have wanted to become elders or pastors in, in the lives of churches, and that's a good thing because the Bible says it's, it's, it's a noble thing to aspire to be an elder or a pastor. Um, and this passage is one that I've often used to just outline and encourage them to think about what it is to have a heart for God's people. Because, you see, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul comes across as a man with real spine. He's almost fierce in his defense and presentation of the gospel. But in this paragraph, there is a sweet vulnerability of the man. And his pastor's heart for his church opens up. And, and as, as I was reading it all week, it, I felt like it was my heart being opened up to you. And the heart of every elder in this church opened up to you. Because what Paul says in verse 9 is, he says that God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of his Son. He is talking about how he has internalized the passion of God. He himself has internalized the passion and the mission of God, and for a moment, just a few sentences, he lets it roll out of him in his love for the church at Rome. So what do we learn? What do we see about the heart of the Apostle Paul? And standing behind Paul, of course, is Jesus Christ. It's the heart of Jesus Christ for you. 
And the first thing, this is point one, the first thing is that he is thankful for his church. Are you thankful for your church? This is really beautiful. Paul feels it very deeply. He does the same thing in the book of Philippians, just so you know. In Philippians chapter 1, right away, he says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. See, he's thankful for that church. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And Paul's prayers are very good guidance for you and for me as we pray. And the first thing is gratitude. Are you thankful for your church family? I hope that you are. I tell you I am. You know, on Wednesday night we have a prayer meeting, and at that prayer meeting uh, we do something very novel as far as church prayer meetings go. We pray. (laughs) No big teaching, no long... We pray. And when we pray, on occasion, not every week, but sometimes it just starts off with expressions of thanks to God, and it bounces across the room, back and forth, and around the room as people pray, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for this person, thank you for that ministry, thank you for this child, thank you for this person struggling, thank you for the overcoming in their lives. And, and before we, it's thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, I guess we're done. <laughs> I know we're supposed to pray for the missionaries, but it didn't happen that night. Because this is a group of people so grateful to God for this church. Thank you. What an expression. You know, Jesus thanked God for the babes, for the people who were like Jesus. He says, I thank you, Father, that you've revealed yourself to these babes. The heart of Jesus is thankful for you. You know, maybe you're here today and you wonder, does anybody ever appreciate me? You know, the pile of dishes in the sink. You know, can I have some more money, Dad? And you wonder, is anybody thankful for me? And I want to tell you, John Yenchko is thankful for you. I feel it so deeply, every one of you. I don't know everyone as well as I would like to, but I'm so thankful for you. But much more important than that, is that Jesus Christ is thankful for you, and never forget this. And here's how you know. Here's how you know. I've told you that I'm so thankful for my wife, Nina. Just, I say it a lot. I'm thankful for her. But the Bible says you are the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ. And Isaiah tells us that he delights in his bride. He's so thankful for you. So make it your practice to be thankful for your church. God gave Jesus uh, his head over all things for his church, and he is grateful for you. Now, the second thing, the second thing that Paul celebrates is their faith, and this is point two. And notice how he says, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. And I love that statement, your faith is proclaimed in all the world. You see, The Roman church has a reputation. I wonder what kind of reputation we have here on the north shore of Long Island. But the Roman church has a reputation. 
pastors think about this? What sort of reputation do we have? Some churches have a reputation of having the most magnificent building. And their reputation, that's the church with the glorious cathedral or the big edifice. Or that's the church that's so busy. That is the church that has programs and activities. That's the busy church. Somebody else says, you know, that's the the doctrine church. That's the church that dots every I, crosses every T. Boy, they're very serious about their doctrine, and it's got to be right, and it's always just just right. And, And don't get me wrong, buildings are important. And programs and church activity is important. And doctrine is very important. But what does Paul celebrate here? What is it? He, he knows what's really important. What is the bedrock? He says, your faith is celebrated around the world. And I pray that's true of us. Whatever else they might know us for. These are men and women, boys and girls, who have laid hold of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. They believe in God. They believe in Christ the Son. They believe in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe? See, there's two questions here. The first question is, do you have faith? And I ask you that because it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, and without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So, I would just ask everybody, Have you come to that place of faith? You know, if if you haven't, if you don't believe, you're still welcome here. And we'll pray for you. And you pray. You say, God, you know, it says in Ephesians, faith is a gift. Well, ask God for that gift. You know, I can't sprinkle fairy dust on you and give you faith. But you ask God for the gift of faith. Ask Him. Do you have faith? And then the second question is, Are you known for your faith? See, that's what the church at Rome, the people at Rome are known for their faith. You see, there's this conversation happening throughout Asia Minor. Here, they're talking like this. Do you know there's a group of believers over in Rome? Have you heard how strong their faith is as they are living for Jesus Christ in the midst of that wicked city? Wow! In Rome? Yes, that's right, in Rome. And their faith is known to the ends of the earth. That is their reputation. They are known for their faith. Are you known for your faith? Or are you a secret agent Christian? You see, we're not to be secret agents. What do they think about you? Oh, He's a Giants fan. He's a runner. He's a good athlete. He plays tennis. He's very well educated. Went to an Ivy League school. He's a man of faith. And it shines from him. Do you have faith? And do people know of your faith? You know, in about a year, we're going to get to Romans 10. (laughs) It'll take a while to get there. We're preaching through Romans if you're our guest. In Romans 10, 
Paul quotes from Psalm 19.4, which talks about how, how the, the sun and the moon dis- declare the glory of God to the whole earth, and then he applies that same reality to the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it's going out to the whole earth, and it's coming through Rome. It's coming through Rome, and it's going to the whole earth. Wow. He actually says in, in Romans 10, 14, I just want to prime the pump here, or 10, 19, he says that it's actually going, people are going to take notice and people are going to get jealous. That's what he actually teaches. We'll see more about this. If you're a woman of faith, if you're a man of faith, if you're a teenager in your high school of faith, it says people will notice. And by the Holy Spirit, people will become jealous and say, I wish I, wish I had what she has, he has. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's going to the world. You know, Jesus celebrated the faith of people. Did you ever notice? Remember that lady talking to him about, can, can you give me, you know, even, you know, can I have some of the bread? And, and Jesus says, no, no, even the dogs don't get the bread. And she says, no, but the dogs can eat the crumbs under the table. Remember that moment? And Jesus marvels at her faith. Same with the centurion. And if you have faith, can I just tell you, Jesus Christ celebrates your faith. He's so pleased that you believe because when you believe and you come to Him, He is pleased with you. And Paul celebrates their faith. The third thing, it just jumps as it crescendos. He says, for God is my witness whom I serve in my spirit in the gospel of His Son that without ceasing I pray. I mention you always in my prayers. I love this. And we learn something very important. This vulnerable moment from the Apostle Paul that we must be a church of regular and relentless prayer. Does that make sense to you? Do you understand? Prayer is the work of the church. You can build all kinds of buildings, you can have all kinds of programs, and you can have uh, all sorts of activity, and you can have all kinds of money, but if we don't pray, it's just hay and wood and stubble, the Bible says. We have to pray. This week, I'm sending out invitation letters to our membership orientation class. Some of you will get them. I, I hope you'll consider joining this church family. But you will learn in that class one of the core values of our church. Don't ever get tired of hearing it. That prayer is fundamental, not supplemental. What do we mean, supplemental prayer? Well, we had our meeting. It's time to close. Uh, Maybe we ought to slap a prayer on at the end. That's sort of supplemental prayer. But in our staff meetings, we set aside time to pray. We set aside time together to pray in our elders' meetings, in, in, in our prayer meetings. As I said, we do this novel thing. We pray together. You see, prayer is like the, the, the oil 
the lubrication in a, in a crankshaft, right? That engine is moving powerfully. It's thundering up and down inside the engine block, and you've got to have oil that smooths the way. And that's what prayer is in all the activities of this church, okay? Are you with me in this? We must pray, brothers and sisters, for each other. You say, oh, Pastor John, I, I, I'm not good at praying out loud. Come to the prayer meeting anyway and just sit there silently and agree with us. Oh, but I don't know how to pray. Come and listen and learn from your brothers and sisters. That's okay. You'll learn over time. Stay silent. That's okay, but agree with us in prayer. Join that Holy Spirit uh, oil being poured out upon the life of the church. And at a deeper level, what is reflected here in this heart? It is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus who prays for His church. He, I can't rehearse all summer how He rose up early in the morning and He interceded for His people, you see. And now, risen at the right hand of the Father, what are we told in Hebrews 7.25? What are we told? That He stands, He ever lives to intercede. It says technically he is able to save completely those who come to the Father through him because he ever lives to intercede for them. What does that word intercede mean? He ever lives to pray for us. What is Jesus doing for you right now? <laughs> does my pastor pray for me? I, I try to pray. I try to pray for all of you. But I guarantee that there's somebody even better praying for you. Who is that? The Lord Jesus Christ, risen at the right hand of the Father, who speaks a good report to you, to Him of you. Hallelujah. You know, in the ministry of this church, it is true, we want people to come to salvation. We're not ashamed of it. We want people to go to heaven when they die, don't we? But salvation is more than just you getting into heaven. Salvation is also getting heaven into you now. How does that happen? It happens by prayer. It happens by what we call the means of grace. It happens as we call down God's blessings, the realities of heaven, into each other's lives. We must be a praying church. Are you with me on this? How are we doing? Jesus prays for you regularly and relentlessly. The heart of Paul must be our heart. Home fellowship group leaders, Sunday school teachers, Bible study leaders, pray regularly, relentlessly for those under your care. And then something beautiful, Paul says, Point four, I long to be with you, and I love to be with you. And I hope, once again, this is true of our church. He says, I'm asking that somehow, by God's grace, I may now at last succeed in coming to you, for I long to see you. You know, at the end of this book, in chapter 16, now, we'll get there in about two years. I'm just giving you a, a hint. At the end of chapter 16... There's another very um, tender moment where the Apostle Paul tells the church at Rome, and would you greet people for me? And he lists 26 people, 26 people by name. 
two house churches and three families. Now, we don't know if Paul met any or all of these people. There are people debate it. We just don't know. I, myself, I think he had to have met some of these people, and they were his friends, partners in ministry, and he longs to be with them because he loves them. He loves them. And in this church, do we love each other? I pray that we do. Do we enjoy pursuing quality relationships? Listen to me, especially any of you who are new believers. When I became a new Christian, one man said to me, he said, you're going to change, John, the people you hang out with. You don't just hang out with drinking buddies or other sports fans anymore. And he said, if you want to grow in the Lord, then find the godliest people you know and spend as much time as you can with them. Made sense to this 18-year-old. And I did. And it was so helpful. And then he gives me a godly wife, and it was so helpful. It's okay to have your buddies and the other sports fans, but don't you long and love to be, long for and love to be with brothers and sisters in Christ? I hope so. He loves them. And I, I do have a word for the other pastors and elders, leaders of this church. Over my 30 years, I've had the opportunity to mentor a lot of young men aspiring to be elders or pastors. I was near the seminary and worked alongside the seminary in Philadelphia. And you get with a young guy and he says, I love ministry. I want to do ministry. I say, okay, well, we check. You know, how's your doctrine? And how well do you do in your, your gift packages? What is your, your spiritual gifts? And, and, um, and all those things in the list. But then the bedrock question is this. Do you love people? Mm. I just want you to know that there are a lot of young men selling insurance today because John Yenchko was their mentor. Because you talk to them and they'd say, I love doing ministry. It's just that people are such a pain in the neck. And what does that tell us? tells us that they're not called into ministry. Now, now I know somebody's saying, but Yenchko, you're just such an extrovert. Of course you love people. But you know, whether you, and I do, but whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, that doesn't change the call on you to love people. An extrovert is just someone who gets energy from being around people. An introvert, is, an introvert is someone who gets energy from private time, being that alone time, but they get re-energized for the purpose of stepping into the lives of other people. And you see, this longing to be with people is in the heart of Jesus Christ. It's in the heart of the Apostle Paul. Do you understand what Christmas, the first Christmas, is all about? We call it the incarnation. What's that? See, Jesus loves being with people so much that He leaves heaven and comes to earth to come to people. And He loves people. 
and he finds the widow of Nain and he steps into her world and he finds Jairus and he steps into his world and he sees Andrew and Peter and he steps into their world and he stepped into your world because he loves you and he longs to be with you. Are you do you understand this? This is the heart of Jesus Christ for you. It's the heart of Paul and it's the heart we should have for each other because the person sitting next to you or in front of you, they are your brother. They are your sister in Christ. And we are to be a family together. Psalm 149, for the Lord takes delight in His people. If He does it, shouldn't we? We're a church family. We should delight in one another. And Jesus says, I don't call you servants. I call you What's the next line? What next word? I call you friends. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. May that be true of us. And then finally, Paul says, I long to preach. Oh, no, verse 5, not finally, point 5. I long to see you strengthened, that I may come to you uh, to strengthen you, that that is, and then he corrects himself, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, yours and mine. And this is a beautiful pastoral impulse. He wants you to get stronger in your faith, and he wants you to make him stronger in his faith. And every elder in this church will tell you, I will certainly tell you, that I want to see you get stronger, but I have been through this congregation, and I know you build me up. In our men's Bible study, in the women's Bible study, people contribute insights and examples to me in your home fellowship groups. The cross-pollinization is so rich. We strengthen each other when we are bundled together. We have to teach the children this very important lesson. Look at this pencil. I could invite one of you kids up here. Do you think you'd be strong enough to break this pencil? You probably are strong enough to break this pencil but I robbed Jim's desk. Here's about 100 pencils, and we're about 200, 300 people all together. Can you break the pencils when we are bundled? You can't break it. It's an ancient, every culture has this proverb, any child can break one stick, but when we are together, we are strong. So don't be isolated. Let's be bundled together in the body of Christ. We get strength, and who strengthens us? Jesus strengthens us. 1 Peter 4.11, when he's talking about the body of Christ, that we serve and we do all that we do, here's the phrase, with the strength God provides. And I know in this Long Island culture, I know a lot of us feel out of gas And when you are out of gas, what do you do? You go to the Lord. You say, Lord, fill my cup. Fill me up. Fill me up, Lord, with the strength God supplies. And He will do it. He will do it. Now, number six, concluding. Paul says, I long to preach the gospel to you and partner with you to reap this rich harvest among you. Look, He's thankful for you. He prays for you. 
He wants to, to strengthen you. But now, it's partnership time. And together, we're going to lift the cross of Jesus Christ high. And we're going to tell the world the good news. If, if you had the cure for cancer, would you just keep it to yourself? Open the safe, put it in, lock it up? Is that what you would do? Or would you tell the world and people around you are dying in their sins and you have the cross of Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit alive inside of you. You have the Word of God. Paul says, I long to preach that gospel to you at Rome. And and to whom will he speak? Oh, this is interesting. I love this. He will preach to the Greeks and the barbarians. The Greeks, the sophisticated New Yorkers, the barbarians. Sorry, Bill, the hick from Nebraska. Yes, see, what is it? The sophisticated and the rural, it doesn't matter. Come on in. To the wise, to the college educated, to the professors, to the scholars of our day, he's not ashamed to stand up with intellectual credibility and answer the skeptics with the trustworthiness of the Bible and the truth of the gospel. To the wise and the foolish, people who've made a mess of their lives, and many of us, you know, we make messes of our lives, and Paul says, come one, come all, come everyone into the North Shore Community Church. Come in, let us love you with the gospel of Jesus Christ, for you are welcome to learn of Him with us. Are you with me on this? This is the heart of the Apostle Paul. This is the heart of Jesus Christ who said, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. This is us. Does it make sense to you? I hope it makes sense. It is, it's my heart. It's my heart. So together now, we're going to pray. And we're going to invite him to make these a reality. Which one of these is Jesus praying for you today? Hmm? Which on this list is Jesus praying for you? Humble yourself. Be teachable. Say, Lord, speak. Speak to me now that I may leave this place, place energized to love and serve this church and to serve you in the world. Let us pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you for letting us see your heart today, and for the person here who feels unappreciated, that nobody's thankful for me, I pray they would see and hear your gratitude for their life. For the person whose faith is weak, like a mustard seed, I pray, Lord, they will hear your commendation. Yes, but I celebrate that mustard seed of faith in you. It's a gift to the world. Let it grow into a flame of faith. For someone who says, nobody ever prays for me, help them to fill out the prayer requests on the card or to call Pastor John, say, pray for me, and we will pray. And let them know, let them know that their high priest, Jesus Christ, stands before the throne of heaven and prays for them. For those who feel weak, O Lord, 
Give them strength and help us to strengthen each other, bundled together, bundled together, receiving the strength that God supplies, that together this church will fill this sanctuary with Greeks and barbarians, with wise and foolish, with people just like us and people different from us, that we may be the family you want us to be. We will arise and go and do your will by your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.